0: Welcome to another episode of Military Transition Wellness. I'm your host, Michelle Sidling, and today we are going to talk about tenacity and how that's important in your transition, regardless of how long or where you served. And here to help us do that is Keith Renanson, known as the tenacity expert. This podcast is available on multiple platforms, including YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and others. Please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to be informed as new episodes become available. If you enjoyed today's episode or any of our episodes, please rate and review the podcast on your favorite platform. As always, check out our website at foodexperienceunplug.com for some resources as you begin your health journey. just a little bit about Keith before he introduces himself. He has a uh, financial planning background and sprinkled in with that was a little army service in Vietnam. And he has since really taken hold on this idea of tenacity. And he'll tell you more, of course. But welcome, Keith, to the show.
1: Thank you, Michelle. I've been looking forward to this all month.
0: Oh, excellent! Well, could you take a moment to introduce yourself and uh, and tell us a little bit about your your army service and and what it was like in uh, as you transitioned out and back into civilian life?
1: Well, as you alluded to, I um, I spent forty years in the financial planning industry. I was a certified financial planner and an insurance agent for a large insurance company and built a nice practice up over that period of time and then uh, retired in the early 2000s and went back to college after traveling for a while and decided to take some creative writing classes and along the way uh, discovered Toastmasters and Toastmasters nice. gave me the platform then to become a speaker. Uh, and when I became a speaker, then everybody said you needed a book. So I went. I had a manuscript that was ready from when I got lost climbing in the Himalayas, which we can talk about it in a little while. Um, and The title of the book was Tenacity. And so I, I finished the manuscript, I published it, and uh, that then kind of launched my speaking career. And I spent uh, f- the last four years on the board of directors of the NSA, National Speakers Association of Colorado. My my military transitioning, (coughs) excuse me, was a long time ago. Obviously, I got home from Vietnam in in October of 1971. I spent two years in the military, a year in stateside and then a year in Vietnam. And the Army was, I I was an only child and a bit spoiled. And the Army gave me the discipline that I needed when I got home to be able to move into a life career. And I, I was home kind of bouncing around from one job to another after I first got home and then landed in the insurance business. And those first few years that I was home were difficult. As I shared with you in, in the uh, in our pre-discussion, uh, I, I worked at a secured facility in Saigon. I had a top secret clearance. We walked guard duty in some rather hazardous places, and I did come under some fire there. But most of my my army uh, career was spent in uh, in top secret facilities. And when I got home, I had some of what is known as survivor's guilt. That it, it it's akin to a, a form of PTSD that we all kind of ha- have that makes you look at your career in the army negatively. And because you you don't feel good that you didn't contribute to the war in the way that all of those did that lost their lives. Mm-hmm. And as you transition into maturity after you, because I was 23 when I got home, really young. And when as I got older and older, I started to accept that tour of duty as being something that I could still be proud of. Because as we know, for every man in the field, there are seven that are in the, in the rear area that are supporting him and taking care of him and keeping him supplied and whatnot. And I, I was proud of what I had done. And it took a while for me to get that kind of mindset going. I, I had a, an odd bout of anxiety when I got home. And I, I had a lot of problems with hyperventilating. I, my financial career started working for a bank and I would be on the teller line and all of a sudden the anxiety would hit. My heart rate would go up. I'd feel like I was going to pass out because I was hyperventilating and I'd have to go sit and breathe in a paper bag. And it took a while uh, going through some counseling to understand that something was triggering that. And it was bringing me to a place where I had to, I had to deal with it. And what it really was, was just the you know the survivor's guilt. Somebody would come in that would mention the, something about the military, and it would trigger something, and off I would go with it, and I'd have I'd have to go breathe in my paper bag. But the wellness side of of the military has gotten a lot better than what it was back then. When the Vietnam vets came home, we struggled uh, with so many different things culturally, and there wasn't much support that was really widely recognized at that time. Today, the guys that are coming home from all the different uh, battlefields that we've been in in the last 20, 20 years or so are coming home to a lot more support and a lot more things that they can um, grab onto that will help them move forward. You know, I, I love seeing the uh, the guide dogs that are out there that, that help the guide dogs for the blind that are coming out of the military. That's one of my favorite pet projects, plus Wounded Warriors and other programs like that that really step up and help the guys that are coming home and as you and i discussed when we first started talking today my my approach to wellness today sort of is born out of what i experienced back then along with a couple of other things that happened along the way i developed what i call my trip technique which is uh, involves TRIP as an acronym for Tenacity, Resilience, Imagination, and Purpose. And those four words are very important to me. I, it took me a long time to hone down what I was really after mentally and emotionally to get across to the people that I, uh, that I assist with my speaking and my uh, workshops and classes was to try and find where people really exist with those kinds of character traits, You have probably read or heard of Angela Duckworth's book, uh, Grit. Uh, Grit was made about the military, you know, uh, the Naval Academy. They were having trouble losing 50% of their new class every year because they weren't strong enough physically, emotionally, mentally. And they tried to boil it down to what was really lacking. And they came up with the word grit. Well, grit and tenacity are exceedingly similar. And. I, I, as I read Angela Duckworth's book, it, it started to dawn on me that she didn't take it quite far enough. Now, she's an educator. Her whole background is as a, being as a teacher and understanding how taking assessments can help people learn where their strengths and weaknesses are. And so her and the Naval Academy put together an assessment that these young uh, cadets could all take. And they were then analyzing the data for a number of years to see why they were losing so many of the initial recruits. And I don't think she pushed it far enough. Because grit, she does grit and perseverance. And I like my four words, I think, encompass what we as human beings experience better we all have to have tenacity to get through the things we're going through. I shared with you this morning that I broke both of my ankles skiing yesterday. And you know I'm going to have to go to a doctor now. I've got to have the tenacity to be able to push through the pain, push through the, the, the junk, if you will, that happens when you have a major accident or illness. I've got to have resilience to be able to bounce back from the problem and go through the PT and the other things that are there to be able to to pull me up out of this problem. And I've got to have imagination. Uh, in my house, I had to set up my home last night when I got home so I could do this podcast with you, not in my office upstairs, but down in a dining room where I hope it's coming across well. Because <laughs> my <laughs> office is all set up with green screens and microphones and it's soundproofed and everything. Uh, so I had to use my imagination to make things work a little differently in this part of the house. And then there's purpose, which is the glue that pulls everything together in life. If you have purpose, And you think of what your purpose is on a daily basis and have it paramount in your mind. Purpose drives and holds everything together. And I think that young men and women getting out of the military today that are trying to transition back into a civilian life that is so foreign to them now, just like during Vietnam, the country changed a lot by the time we went over and when we came back. And the same thing is happening now with the the, uh, military that are coming home. And they've got to transition from a wellness point of view of how can I take care of me inside and out, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually? How can I make all of those things happen? And I think that if... People would look for their important words. They don't have to use mine, although I'm prejudiced. I think they should use my four words. (laughs) I think that we all have words in our lives. We live with words. Words are what we, we all, it's how we communicate. It's how we get things done. But there are some words that are more powerful than others. And I think it's in that strength of that power of what drives us each individually after we get home from the military, towards a career, towards wellness mentally and physically, then we've got purpose that's driving something that it really is tangible, and I think that's what a lot of people are trying to accomplish today with the new services that are available for the, the military that are that are transitioning. I think there's a lot more out there today than there used to be, and, and if the if the military personnel will take advantage of it, that's kind of the catch because we, when we have things that we think can help, we don't often want to go use it. We have pride. I don't need that. I don't need any help, I'm just fine. you know we have embarrassment. I don't want to go do that because people will talk about what I'm going and doing you know things of that nature that we have to overcome with your resilience and I think that would then help people once they start to discover that these are just things they can take advantage of that will make their lives better I think they'll they'll see that the transition will happen a lot smoother than what they thought it was going to be. I need to take a drink I'm getting dry. <laughs> are we on target for what you were after
0: absolutely and now now with your trip technique those four words did they come to you as uh you mentioned the the other book grit um but how um did they come to you kind of all at once or was it on after you know different years of research or experiences things of that nature
1: yeah, as you can tell from the mountains that are behind me, this is Colorado. This is where I've grown up. This is my my country. Uh, and so I love being in the mountains. I love climbing them. I've There are 54, 14,000-foot peaks in Colorado, and I've climbed 26 of them. Nice. I'm seventy. I'm seventy 74 years old. I don't know how many more I'm going to get, but we'll, we'll keep trying to knock one or two out of summer. Um, and the reason I bring that up is uh, in the early 90s, uh, a friend of mine and I decided to travel to Nepal. And... I fell in love with the Himalayas. And so it wasn't an odd thing to think that I would go back there once again, three years later, when I had hit a midlife and a mid-career crisis, which is very similar when you think about it as transitioning out of the military. Mm -hmm. Because we hit these crises at different times in our life, and they have different kinds of effects on us as to how how we relate to them. Well, I decided that I would go back to Nepal by myself. And trek. I wanted to go to Everest. I didn't want to climb the mountain. I just wanted to go up to base camp, and it's about a three-week trek to get there. It's it's quite an arduous trail. You can fly on a helicopter these days, but what fun is that? <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> um, so I landed in Kathmandu, and. I'm informed that my trekking permit has been canceled because Everest has received six feet of snow over the course of the previous two weeks. And there's avalanches in the area and there's people that are dying in the avalanches. And so they're not letting people go back in there until the situation uh, settles down. So I had to completely redesign my trip on the fly without any research at all. And I ended up going to a mountain in the northeastern corner of the country called Kankanjunga. Kankanjunga is, is the third highest peak in the world. doesn't get much notoriety. If you're not number one, we don't want to talk about you. Uh, but <laughs> Kankanjunga is a beautiful mountain. It's very high, third highest. And I got a little bit of advance information before I left Kathmandu. I had to fly in a single engine plane to Bhaktapur in the northeastern corner and then take a bus ride into the foothills of the Himalayas to where there was a, the road ended. And then I went on into the wilderness from there. And I was at jungle level beginning this, and I was going to work my way up. Kathmandu is a lot like Denver. It sits at 6,000 feet. Now, Denver's at 5,280 feet. That's why it's called the mile high city. And so it's very similar. Well, when I flew to Bhaktapur, I went down in elevation a lot, and I was in jungle kind of conditions. And within four hours of, the, of taking off from my, on my trek, I was lost. I had taken a there was no I had a map and I had a compass and there was multiple trails and they all kept kind of taking off one way or the other and no signage nothing and so I became rather lost the very first day and I was lost then for 4 days trying to find my my way out and get to the town I was headed to which was a town called Top Lejeune. and during that time I journaled and I meditated each day trying to keep the little bit of the chaos in my head at, you know, at respectable levels. (laughs) So I wasn't panicking. And, uh, and I was journaling each day of what was occurring to me, how I felt about it, what my level of fear was, and also about the things I wanted to change when I got home. Because remember, this was about a midlife and a mid-career crisis. I had hit a ceiling in both. My, I had been divorced twice. My I was a good financial planner, but I was bored to tears with it. It really wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And so I I, I took my own wellness in my hands and decided to go back to Nepal. And, and while I was there, try and figure out what I wanted to do when I got home. Well, I wrote in that journal for, I was there for five weeks. I, I was found on the afternoon of the fourth day by three workmen that happened upon me. And they got me to where I wanted to go. But I journaled all throughout the whole time that I was in Nepal, that became the manuscript for the book Tenacity when I got home. And it was in writing that manuscript that the four words started to appear because I kept seeing them in what I wrote. Do I have the resilience to be able to bounce back from this? Do I have the imagination to find my way out and, and get back to civilization? And what is my purpose? What am I doing here? <laughs> you know, we all we all question ourselves so much in life and in, in so many different things. And and when your purpose becomes cloudy is when we start soul searching and that's when we've got to look inside and figure out what we're thinking and feeling and why we got here and what we're going to do about it. But we also have to look outside ourselves are the people that I'm associating with is the job that I'm doing, uh, you know, or is the goals I'm setting for myself. Do they meet the purpose that I really want to have in life? I'm a fairly happy man. I'm a spiritual man. I was brought up as a Methodist, uh, uh, child. And so I've, I've, I've talked to God all my life. Uh, I, don't, I, I do a lot of talking to him when I'm in the mountains, like behind me. It's That's the kind of place that I can really lower my brainwave activity to where I'm really more calm, like meditating, and I can have a good conversation and think my way through the problems that I've got. And I think that you don't have to go to Nepal and get lost in the Himalayas to do this, although I've discovered since I wrote this book that there's a lot of books like mine out there where people had traumatic things happen in their lives and and they went somewhere and And uh, had to overcome many obstacles to be able to get back to where they needed to be. And I think that it's, it's in those obstacles that we discover who we are and what we're doing and why. I learned a lot about myself while I was lost. And over the course of the few weeks that I was still there after that. And when I got home, that journal had a whole game plan of stuff laid out of what I wanted to do. Well, that was 1995. And I knew then I wanted to be a public speaker and an author. It took me till 2002 to make it happen when I retired. So it took seven years to follow that path. But during that time, I did have the tenacity to overcome all of the different challenges I was was forced to to face. I did have the resiliency to be able to bounce back from my own personal challenges within my, my own personal life. My imagination is probably the best part of the four words because it's the most creative. It's the one I love to, to talk to my audiences about the most because it's where we play. It's that childlike place where even military transitioning home, if they can find their imaginative muscle and, and let that creativity come through for them, it will reward them you know, tenfold because it's in our imagination that we really see what our purpose is and how to get to it. Our imagination allows us to be able to look at the creative ways. If if I go this direction, this is going to give me these kinds of results. If I go this direction, I'm going to get different kinds of results. What if I combine the two and went down the middle and had a combination of things? It's going to give you different results. You start to see how brainstorming and how being creative can really advance your life and your career. And I think that it's in that brainstorming with yourself and the imagination that you work on that your wellness can really take hold because then you'll see The things that pop up of how you can help yourself heal from any kind of things that you suffered from getting home, uh, the many traumas that many soldiers face, and how to be able to solve that, how to transition into civilian life, both spiritually and financially. You can do the two together. It's It's not difficult. You can be spiritual and you can mind your money and follow your purpose and take care of a career. We're multifaceted human beings. We can do all kinds of stuff but we've got to be focused on it. We've got to want to make it happen. And I think that's where sometimes people have a little bit of trouble is that they're so scattered. America for many years, it was called the land of opportunity for a reason. It was because we had so many different ways that you could go with your careers in your life. And I think sometimes because there's so many options, we don't focus on one we get shiny object syndrome and all of a sudden ooh i want to try that oh wait a minute i want to try that and it's just back and forth and back and forth and i think a lot of people coming home are faced with that they suddenly have so much that they have available to them that they have to they have to find what they really want to do did you know what you wanted to do when you got 18 years old and were headed to college i didn't i still went to college but i didn't i didn't work in what i studied you know, it's the same way coming home. We All of a sudden, you have all these options, and it's like, holy cow, what do I do? Well, as a good friend of mine used to say, you don't have to be good to start. You have to just start to be good.
0: Mm, good point. <laughs> now, did that uh, experience in Nepal, did that help you find your purpose more so than, than previous experiences? Then?
1: I think so, because I was more mature. Mm-hmm. I was 48 years old when I did it. You know, which was almost double the age I was, you know, when I got home from Vietnam. And being that only child that was slightly spoiled that I talked about earlier, you kind of feel like everything's going to be handed to you and you don't have to put out any effort and you're just going to get what you want as you move along. Well, that's not how life works. (laughs) And we all learned that lesson. (laughs) You know, you have to find your way and find your path. And that can only be done, I think, with a fair amount of maturity. And I think that's one thing I think the military gives us. You know, there's no atheists in foxholes, as the old saying goes. And with that comes maturity. You you mature fast in the military, you are forced to. I mean, basic training for me was hell because I was a spoiled, rotten little kid, 18 years old. And when I got drafted, boom, it was like, wow, uh, how can I do all of this stuff? But I rose to the challenge. I actually liked the discipline after a while. It gave me confidence to do what I needed to do. And I knew my job. I knew what I needed to do. And they trained me well. And I think that that same kind of thing helps you when you get home. And you take that maturity and it it will help you find your purpose. The, The getting lost in Nepal was sort of the second phase for me because Vietnam was the first one. And then there was a whole bunch of life in between. And then I got lost and I needed to figure out where to go next. And it was that trip that then purpose started to become more in focus. I knew I wanted to be a speaker, and I wanted to be an author, and I just needed to learn how to do it. Transitioning from a financial planner to a speaker is not an easy transition. Um, its uh, I was always talking numbers, and now suddenly I wasn't talking any numbers. I was talking emotions, and I was talking feelings and and challenges of the heart and the soul, And but I really like this much better. I was helping people make money and save money, which was a good thing. But it wasn't where my heart and my soul was. But once I started speaking, I suddenly realized that talking about trip was where I really wanted to be. But I had to go through all this stuff to get there before trip could even be born. Mm.
0: So you've had over the course of your years, many different experiences where you're finding your purpose. It's not necessarily a one-time event, it sounds
1: like. No. And as I wrote in my blog the other day, you could have multiple purposes. You can have a travel purpose. You can have a spiritual purpose. You can have a family purpose. My son got married three weeks ago and he and his wife are now talking about when they're going to try and have their family. And there's a whole new purpose popping up. He's 27. I told him the other day, you're the same age I started in the insurance business at 27. That's kind of seems where men start to find their legs a little bit, start looking at what they want to accomplish. I'm not, not being, since I'm not female, I can't speak to that, but I don't know if women, I think they probably reach it a little younger um, uh, in some respects, but I think that he, he saw that you know, when we talked about it. He says, "Yeah." He says, "I'm really starting to figure out what I want to do." He looks like he's going to be a realtor, and he said, "I think that that's where I want to go." He says, "That's what I love helping people find houses. That's going to be a lot of fun." I think. No, once he has that purpose in, in play, then he could look for a second purpose to add on top of it, and that might be the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's that age bracket, uh, that age group of, I don't know if that's Gen X or Gen Y or Gen Z, <laughs> get lost to all the generations. Um, <clears throat> he might actually be uh, multi-generational. I don't know. Anyway, it, it seems like they're sort of like I was. They have a lot of options. And he's, he's kind of honing in a little bit and finding that if he does focus, he'll do very well. Finding your purpose is not always easy. But I have a thing that I do in my workshops that I think helps people. I call it writing your life philosophy
0: okay we, please we write tell us more <laughs>
1: well what do we do in business we write mission statements why not have the same thing for your personal life write your own life philosophy the word philosophy scares a lot of people they think oh that's going to be deep well of course that's why it's called philosophy but make it fun a life philosophy can be something that can encompass the things that you want to have that are important to you in your life right now so it's uh, it could be a document that could be a living document and can change as time goes on. Because Michael and Haley, my son and his wife, are going to change their purpose as they move along. Once they get kids, then they're, then they're suddenly saving for college. You know, there's other things that they're going to do. Maybe they want to have a vacation plan and they take the kids vacationing and get to see the world, uh, which is something I really recommend once we get out of COVID, that people need to travel. They need to see other cultures. Uh, America is not the end all to cultures. There's lots of other really cool places out there in the world to go see. And I think that finding your purpose and writing your life philosophy go hand in hand. It doesn't have to be long. It could just be a couple of sentences that just lays out, I want to be spiritual. I want to be ethical. I want to live a life with integrity. I want to be confident. Whatever the important words are to you, that's where you build them into writing your own life philosophy. So as people were transitioning home, If they would take the time to sit down and write what they really feel they want in life right now, knowing that it'll change as time goes on, but but having it, I've got mine up on the wall in my office. I wrote it while I was in Nepal. And it's one of those things where I look at it daily. Has it changed? Yes. I've actually crossed out some words and made some word changes, but isn't that what life's all about? Making the changes as you move along to fit your needs. So you're successful at whatever it is you choose to do.
0: Okay. So um, could you give us some, uh, in addition to your own stories, of course, um, some other examples of how people have used that, that trip technique to really hone in on their purpose?
1: Yeah, the, the technique has an assessment that's uh, that I built. And the assessment is 32 questions and it uh, takes about six minutes to take it. And you end up finding out whether you're passive active or super active, which brings you up the scale of effectiveness. And I think that some of the people that have taken it so far, let me me see if I can give you one specific example. I have a young man who is a business consultant, and he's been struggling because of COVID. I mean, all consultants have been because it's been difficult to find business, much less get into businesses and, and, and help them with their problems. And he decided that he was going to start advertising on radio. He said, I don't hear a lot of consultants advertising what I do to help businesses on radio. And so he took my assessment and he scored right in the middle. He felt pretty good about that. He was active. And he said, at least I wasn't passive all over the place. He said, I, I, I came out pretty good. And he, there are action steps that you, that you follow through after you take the assessment that guide you each week with new steps to be able to move forward. And he took those steps with his radio advertisement and changed and tweaked the advertisements. And suddenly he's getting the phones ringing and he's going, wow, I did not expect That I would be that successful with this one single campaign because everybody's been doing Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, and they kind of walked away from some of the old traditional stuff that has worked for for a long time. But the social media got so crowded with everybody pitching their wares that he said, I'm going to go try radio. and Suddenly, he had done something that made him stand out. He looked different all of a sudden. And isn't that what we all want in business? We want to differentiate ourselves from our competition. And the military transitioning home, they need that same kind of confidence that they can stand out and do something well and grow at it. And that's that's just mental wellness. That's just having confidence in yourself to have integrity, good ethical drive, and to go finish a goal and become something. And I think that's how it all works. So yes, I think that TRIP allows people, when they look at the four words and really try to incorporate them into their lives, they can look at it on a daily basis. I mean, like this morning, I woke up with two broken ankles. (laughs) I've got to go find an orthopedic surgeon. I've got to get them fixed. And so I suddenly have a life-changing event that's just bringing me to a screeching halt here. I have all my physical things I normally can do. I can't do all of a sudden. So I've got to be tenacious and pushing through all of this kind of stuff I'm going to be faced with for the next two months, probably, and be resilient to be able to bounce back from it so that I I either learn how, how I can be better because of this or just come back strong as ever and keep moving forward. But along the way, I'm going to use imagination to be able to help me try and find creative ways to make it fun for me and for my clients. And all of it fits together within the purpose of trying to be a successful human being. I I shared with you earlier, I'm 74. I don't think I will ever quit working. I love to work. Uh, You know, I'm divorced and my son's married. I live alone. What else do I have to do (laughs) except go skiing and bicycling in the summer? I'm I'm very physically active uh, with the exception of right now. And so uh, that's part of my purpose. It's built into my life philosophy that I want to live a life that is filled with activity and fun and adventure. Adventure is one of my big words, too. And I think that it gets a little bit of a bad rap sometimes because I think a lot of people think you got to be like Indiana Jones or something else to, to find adventure. You can find adventure in your own backyard. And you can find adventure in your business, whatever it is. John found adventure diving into the radio business and learning how to advertise. He he did some of the voiceover work himself. He had other people do some of the voiceover work. They played to see which was better. You know, that's an adventure, pure and simple, finding your way through. Transitioning people need to look for the adventure in life again. Find what's really positive and can help them grow. Because if you don't look for the adventure, life gets a little boring sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, you just same old, same old, get up, brush your teeth, comb your hair if you've got any. And, Mm -hmm. you know, go to work, come home, eat dinner, go to bed and start it all over again. Well, no, there's got to be stuff you can do in the middle. I had a a manager with my insurance company one year. He says, okay, he says, look at life like this. Eight hours of sleep, eight hours of work, and eight hours of play. And there's your 24-hour day. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, it's that simple. Remember the old keep it simple, stupid? The premise you know don't complicate it just keep it simple
0: mm, okay so for those transitioners who are whether they're thinking about transitioning or are in the process or recently got um have uh left the military what is that what is that first step to uh to starting on that that purpose journey finding their purpose doing finding each of these uh these four words
1: I'm a big believer in meditation and journaling. And I, I know that soldiers, sailors, all the different branches, I, you know, they're oftentimes very young and they've been in a very active kind of disciplined, rigid environment. I think when they first come home, they've got to look at how they can sort of settle into civilian life again. And I think meditation is one of those things that really helps. I try to do it 10 minutes a day. Uh, I put on some music on my headphones, I sit, I close my eyes, and I just try to make my mind quiet. And once I get quiet and I'm comfortable and my body has relaxed is when I start to think about the things that I'm trying to accomplish or the things I want to change in my life. And I think that that's where it would really be a nice big first step for those people that are coming home to learn how to meditate, how to use it for, for their purposes of what they're trying to plan laying here next to me during our conversation has been a legal pad. And it's, it's one of those things where I never go anywhere without a legal pad. I'm old school. I like having a pen in my hand. I like to write and all day long, I write down ideas. I write down things that float through my mind. Well, when I meditate, I've got the pad next to me as well. And I will write down things that spark in uh, my enthusiasm, spark my adventurous nature, but maybe, Hey, I ought to go try this. And, I think that would help them to be able to both be calm about moving home, moving back out of the, uh, the theater that they were in mm-hmm. and, and find that calmness that they need to be able to re-enter back into society. If you don't, you're going to be so scattered as soon as you arrive that, because there's all those choices again. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes things more difficult. So journal and meditate on a daily basis if you can. The journal, my, my mother used to call them diaries and she passed away a number of years ago, and uh, I found a box of them in the basement after she passed away. She had like 30 years of diaries. I haven't dove into them, but I'm going to one of these days, maybe now that I've got these foot problems a lot of the time. Um, I want to see what she was thinking during all those years. What did she think about? What was she planning? What did she accomplish? Mm -hmm. It would be very interesting to look back and see what occurred. And I think a lot of us, we have 20-20 vision looking back, don't we? We can see exactly where we made our mistakes. We can see exactly what made us a success. It's looking forward that we don't have that 2020. We have to we have to find our way through it, and that's where writing down can help you. Writing your philosophy, your life philosophy, can come out of your meditating, can come out of your journaling, just like my book came out of my journaling.
0: Mm, absolutely. Well, Keith, how can people get in contact with you?
1: Well, I've, my last name's kind of hard to spell, so I've made it easy. You can go to thetriptechnique.com. And that makes it nice and simple because everybody can spell trip and everybody can spell technique. (laughs) So thetriptechnique.com. Yeah, my website has everything on it. I have a a virtual assistant who lives in Dallas, Texas. She's wonderful. Her name is Wendy and she helps me make that website stand up and shine. And so it's got lots of information on there. You can also take the assessment on there uh, for individuals or for corporations or you can contact us if you want to have me come speak to an association or a corporation. I do uh, uh, keynotes and, and seminars.
0: Fantastic and they can uh, people can get the book as well from Yes America. it's
1: the book is on there too and it's on Amazon I I forgot to tell you what the tagline was it's tenacity you don't have to get lost in Nepal to find yourself but it helps
0: Nice that's a perfect title for the perfect story uh <laughs> oh. Amazing. Well, Keith, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. I love all of your experiences and how you've learned from them and really honed in on that purpose or several purposes over the years. Thank you.
1: You're quite welcome. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast.